It's said we're ruled by the talking class. Conversation isn't taught in school the way reading and writing are. We're somehow asked to create great conversation from thin air. These podcasts attempt to focus on great conversation. According to Psychology Today, a good conversationalist needs to understand quickly changing subjects. I've chosen my guests for that very reason. I hope you enjoy their view on the world and their shared experiences as much as I have. Here we are back on the Creativity Pulse. I'm with another fantastic guest. Who are you, where you're from, and what do you do? Well, thanks, uh, thanks, Joel. Thanks for the invite to be on the podcast. It's, uh, it's certainly an honour. My name's uh, Stephen Baker. Uh, I'm an ex-pilot from the Royal Australian Air Force and the ex-lead pilot for the formation display aerobatic team, the, the Royalettes. Uh, right now, I've, I run my own company and we do integration of technology and capability and transition of capability for clients across the board, but with a bit of a focus from defence. haven't stepped too far from my, from my background in that space. So how did you how did you decide to to do that? Yeah, it's like, it's it's a journey. Life life is definitely a journey. Um, that the one sure thing that will happen in life is that you'll get a curveball. That 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 that's pretty much a given for everybody. Uh, and that is actually uh, it, some people are held back by that curveball, but um, some people use it as, uh, as motivation and um, as, a, as a point in your life to reassess and, and from that all sorts of things can then flow, be it creative or new ideas or new ventures or however that, however that uh, works out to be. So um, I had a couple of curveballs uh, along the journey, no different from anyone else, some while I was still in the military and uh, some since I've been out. But I found that uh, gradually my values, after having been in the, in one organisation institution for uh, a large part of my life, I spent over twenty years wearing a uniform. That I was just, just I just needed to do something different, and uh, and and started to dip my toes in in all sorts of crazy adventurous things along the way. Um, I, I think I've been involved in probably seven or eight different startups. Uh, at one point, I was designing drive systems for electric garbage trucks. I've had 360 cameras. I've had my own photography business um, and all sorts of bits and pieces before I kind of like uh, managed to end up back doing something a bit closer to um, what I was doing, and, and that's not just aviation. But what my core job used to be was was really about teaching people and then teaching people how to teach people and then assessing people how to teach people how to teach people and then designing the system around that, including all of the, the system architecture, the framework, the input-output standards, the curricula, the courseware, everything that went along with that. So um, that led me on a bit of a natural journey when I met my now business partner, who was also ex-military, but was embedded in, in defence science and technology land as a liaison officer. And he also had a passion for teaching and training. And, and when we spoke, we went, well, there's, there's a need here. There's a gap here between the operational aspect of, of the military and a bunch of other organisations um, that have a very operational focus and academia 
and the scientific community. So that that was the, the, the DNA of our company was to be the conduit between that. I remember going sort of back in your thing, the quote from Mike Tyson, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. And it's sort of like, uh, I guess he would know that, but uh, not many people, I think, have punched Mike Tyson in the face and lived to see the next morning. But I think his sort of idea is, is that, yeah, you can plan these sort of things but and you can try and implement them. But like you say, you do get these curveballs thrown at you. You obviously seem quite entrepreneurial in nature. You know, your sort of, you know, your character is like that. How do you temper and filter your ideas into this is what I will do and this is what I won't do? Because I know I'm, I'm not necessarily the most entrepreneurial person, but I write music and do that sort of thing. And I've got a thousand ideas in my head. And if I ran with all of them, I'd never get anything done. How? Tell us a bit about sort yeah, of your well, process. Yeah, that, that, that's a really fascinating question. Um, one of, one of the issues that um, I find that I do quite a bit right now is that I do jump around a lot from idea to idea to idea and I, and I have like the, the crazy idea monkey going off in my head an awful lot. Um, but that's part of the entrepreneurial streak and it's part of the creative process. So what, what I've learned to do is learn to, when I'm in that zone, is to actually give myself the space to let that flow because you don't live in that space 24-7. So when you're not in that space, that's the time to reflect on what were the good bits, right? Now's the time to think about what what can I actually do that's meaningful with those ideas uh, and take that and right, just make that a very narrow focus for the time being going forwards. And then you just have to apply a bit of self-discipline because it's very easy to end up back in crazy idea monkey land and, and jump around again. So um, I think one of the things that actually takes an idea through to fruition um, is really grit, determination and discipline would be my, my three key words around that. Um, for those of us that, that do think quite creatively, that can be a problem. So there are multiple ways that you can solve that. Um, first of all, you've got to recognise that you might get stuck in that in that space so partnering with someone who's very much not in that space is a really good grounder and that, that can certainly help. Um, but uh, finding ways within yourself to go, how do I actually create a construct and um, an environment that allows me to be a bit more single-tracked focused, to take those the next level what-ifs from some of that creative space to drive it through and what does it need? What's the long-term vision? If I was to do this idea, what's the vision? What's the outcome? What's the very next thing I need to do to make that happen? What's that? What's the very next thing I need to do to make that bit happen? And you just keep drilling down that bit of a process. By doing that, <clears throat> you've actually just created yourself a bit of a strategy and a roadmap. So uh, once you've got that and just literally write it on paper, that certainly gives you a lot more vigour to stick through to the path. It was interesting. I think it's um, Norman Foster built a bunch of buildings in China and the builders, I guess, finished it all and said, look, where do you want the paths? I don't see any path design here. And he said, look, just stick grass everywhere. And they went, what? And he said, look, stick grass everywhere. And a year later, he said, there are your paths. Because everybody had just taken the path that between the buildings that 
the natural people sort of wanted to, people naturally wanted to walk. And that's where he ended up putting the paths in this sort of area. Do you sort of see strategy being formed like that? Now, there's a reason I ask. I know you deal a lot with the government and the government traditionally, pretty much globally, are slow to turn. They, you've talked about changing vision. You've talked about you know, sort of sailing a yacht almost, and you're dealing with these large oil tankers. Have you found that frustrating at all, or do you have a specific strategy for yeah. dealing with that? For, for frustration would probably be like uh, the the nicest way of actually saying that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that 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 is that is a huge problem. Um, so. You know what, what? What can you do about it? Really, understanding your client is like if you're going to create a business. If if that's what the creative thing is about, to actually create revenue and, and sell a product and create a business, um, it doesn't really matter who the end client is at the end of the day. Whether it's as large scale as the government, as is um, most of our uh, sort of products and clients that we sell to, is large scale primes and um, and government. But anytime you're asking somebody to do something or put money on something that's not their vision but is your vision, that's always going to be a process. So um, obviously the larger the scale, the longer the process, more often than not, but um, there's, it's still a process. So there's often a bit of frustration built in there. So what one thing that is, is categorically guaranteed like curveballs is that the path is not linear. Um, so while you, um, have that drive and determination, cause it's, you know, your ideas are, are like, you know, they're like your children, you know, that you, you love them with all your passion cause that's, that's how, that's why they're your, your ideas, um, making someone else buy into it is, is always a, a long journey. So, um, the, the, I'll sort of kind of go back to the, the three key words that I really sort of said a bit before. It's really about determination, um, grit, drive, um, and continuation of that process. So one, one of the things that um, has often helped me is, is really just chatting to a lot of other people that have lived that path and lived the journey. But also there's realising that you can actually have a process for innovation, which sounds weird and sounds kind of counterintuitive, but if you think of it as not as a, as a as a checklist, because that is non-creative in, in a lot of ways, it's stymies creation. But a framework with a long-term vision to what the actual outcome is, because an, an idea is is only an idea. Um, if you want to actually create and build something, you have to go through a process and a and a place to make it a product that other people want. So um, that that's that means it's their needs, their desires, be it a government or a prime or an individual, that will actually buy that. And you can you can create the world's most amazing widget, but if it only you love it, it's not gonna it's not gonna be a long term um, sort of business. I have that problem. I play in a band, and I'm sort of the I guess the key songwriter. So I have these. I had an idea the other day, five hours later, it's all recorded. Um, and they're like, yeah, we love it. What about you know, the other song you were working on? Do you find that, I, I find this, do you find that certain ideas pop into your head and sort of almost the end product to give to 
clients is there really quickly and other ones need as I call sort of nurturing and a bit of experimentation and do you tend to go with your gut feel or do you think that you know maybe those ones that are instantaneous joy so to speak are the weaker offerings yeah look that that's also it's a really fascinating thing that there is there is um the way that people come up with ideas in my view is that it's multifaceted and um some of the the kind of the worst ideas sometimes turn into the best products and some of the most brilliant ideas often go nowhere and what one thing's for sure and for certain that I've found is that um, not every idea will get up. Um, so it's it's a matter of just continually creating ideas and t- continually coming up with ideas, and, and then it's about finding out which one of those ideas has a bit more permeance to it. Now, how that process actually takes place is very very individual, but I've found that uh, you know just just sleeping on stuff, coming back to them a week later. Um, Thinking about it from someone else's perspective, giving it a bit more thought. What what's the what does my brain naturally go back to buying into that idea that I had, or do I just go, no, that was pretty silly, and just and just move on to the next one? Um, but allowing it to permeate my soul, and then I'll I'll clear my own environment and space. And by doing that, I mean I'll go for a walk, I'll jump on a push bike, I'll whatever it might be, and, and then to see if my brain naturally goes back there and, and starts thinking about that particular idea or whatever, just to, to take it forward the next few steps in my own mind, whether it's the, an idea about a, a problem or a solution or whatever, it doesn't really matter, but I tend to go through that sort of like um, that kind of process and space initially to begin with and then see where that comes out and then constantly come back to it to see if it's actually got any fruit to it couple of questions here. I know in sort of past conversations we've had, you've mentioned there's an ISO number now for innovation. I think they processed it. They actually, it's not just this waking up at three o'clock in the morning with a, a post-it pad and scribbling your ideas on the, you know, the bathroom window with your wife's lipstick, you know, that sort of thing. Like we sort of have this idea of there's, do you sort of use that ISO sort of idea? Obviously, coming from the military, you are used to authority. I, I get my sort of personal discipline from sport. I was once told, oh, you should have been an officer in the military. I was like, one major problem. I have a problem with authority, you know, yep. which discounts <laughs> me from the military instantly, you know. Well, uh, well not not really, because so do I. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that. <laughs> but you got to fly your own plane. I guess once you're up there, you do sort of, yeah. I guess to a certain extent, what you, you feel is necessary to bring that thing back down again in one piece. Um, do you have a, a sort of a go-to person for bouncing your ideas off? Yeah, it's um, <laughs> that's also... It's, it's an interesting one because I find that as different ideas get to different levels of depth and, and vigour, I'll use different people. So when it's at the crazy, crazy idea space, I'll actually really engage with people that are more a yeah, yeah, encouragement and also a bit creative and really uh, sort of open and, and not the yeah, but person and, I, and I've got multiples of, of those of various degrees of people that I can chat with and I'll tend as, I, as an idea gets more and more um, 
tangible and more specific to a problem and a need and an outcome and a process, uh, then I'll go to the yeah, but for that really sort of harsher criticism to really start to pull it apart, to go where, where's the issues here that I haven't thought about, what else do we need to do? Um, and then figure out, is this actually an idea worthwhile spending any more time on or not? But I find if you, if you go to the, the yeah, but person too quickly, it nips it in the bud. Perhaps it's even had enough time to actually um, foster for a while before. So it could be a great idea, but it just it didn't have the um, the time to process, I guess. So uh, I find that I bounce them off very, very different people initially uh, to go through that. Is that in itself a bit of a framework approach, I guess, kind of in very loose definition of the word? I don't – while I know that there's uh, multiple frameworks around for – and for that, I tend to um, go through my own internal creative um, process and I think we're all kind of pretty much our own harshest critics, uh, most people tend to be. So if you can sell it to yourself and you've been through what you would personally consider quite a vigorous process and then figure it and written down as far as you want to take the idea, that's where that, it's at that point that after doing that and talking to some of my yeah but colleagues, um, that I'll start to actually look at more of a, a process-driven approach to then teasing it out, uh, whichever will be the appropriate methodology to do that. And there's there's multiple different frameworks and approaches to do that and market testing and bits and pieces depending on what exactly you're getting into as to what you think is the next step. Um, but it's only really at that point where I'll start to think about that in, in a bit more sort of a formalised manner. Um, but it, it's funny, it's, it's I, I find that quite... Um, different from my background in the military because I think that's one of the reasons why I had to leave the military after so long. I, I joined because I wanted to just fly airplanes and hadn't really thought about anything else and didn't really think about the military as it was per se. But it's because that I needed to explore my own version of creativity and doing something different that I eventually kind of needed to leave that. So uh, I was the only reason I sort of stayed is because very much as, as you alluded to, I had the ability to control my own destiny, control my own environment that I actually probably survived as long as I did. <laughs> well, that's it for this week. Join us next week. Don't forget to have a look at the website. You'll find some stuff to help you develop your creative abilities. I'm Joel. Who are you? Where do you come from? And what do you do? Yeah.